great to um, be uh, with uh, Jackie and Lisa today as we start to um, uh, start to look at the whole issue of refugees. The West is unique, West meaning Europe and Australia and America, in the sense that we have shifted from monoculture to multiculture. And multiculture means that the nations are now descending in on Western nations and there are so many opportunities at our doorstep, so many ways to interact. And for this purpose, it's really great to discuss with um, Jackie and and Lisa in two different um, contexts of how do we engage with refugee communities. Um, It's really great to have you ladies with with us today. Tell us a bit about yourself and your context. Yeah, so um, my name is Lisa, and uh, I'm my husband. And I've been married for about thirty-one years, and we have two adult children. Um, you maybe can tell from my accent that I'm not Aussie. <laughs> we live on the west coast of the U.S., so uh, we um, spend a lot of years engaging with India and. Um, we got a, a taste for what God was doing there through disciple-making movements, and God moved us to steward our time here in the U.S. Um, for for DMM. And just like Dave was saying, you know, the nations are at our doorstep. We um, we really have a heart for internationals, and um, so we just wanted to reach out and. And our one of our biggest um, opportunities here is refugees. Mm. Hi, Dave. My name is Jackie, and I'm Australian, although I don't sound very Aussie. I actually grew up in North America, and my city where I live is currently in lockdown, so my outings at the moment are going to the park, going for walks with friends, going to work. I work part-time in support services at a hospital. In terms of my family, my mom lives in the same country where I live, about one and a half hours drive away, and my siblings live overseas. I've been reaching out to an unreached Muslim people group for about the past five years, and the majority of these people are refugees and or asylum seekers. Uh, the first lady from this people group. I I met at a train station, and then we became friends. And then through, partly through her, some of her connections, and then I helped with an English class and went to a language class and met more from from this people group. Hmm. And it's really great to have you both here because both of you are really highly immersed in these communities and yet carry a heart of both compassion, heart to care, but also a heart to reach out and share the good news of Jesus with these communities. Um, tell me, why do you think it's so important to connect and reach refugee communities? Yeah, for me, it's really because it's the heart of God. God loves refugees. He cares deeply for them. Uh, we see in Scripture that it's filled with verses about God loving vulnerable people, the foreigner, outcast, widow, and orphan. 
And God's heart is also for the unreached. He leaves the 99 to find the, the one lost sheep. So as we come close to Jesus, he shares his heart with us. And it's part of our uh, worship and honoring to him to reflect his love to refugees. And there are many unreached people groups and refugees living in Western countries. Access is very easy compared to Christians in the past who've traveled overseas to another country to uh, gain access to a people group. And really, we can just wave and say hi to our neighbors, start a conversation, and then just keep showing care and love. And often with these cultures, the interesting thing is that they are quite responsive. At least that's been my experience. Mm. Uh, When I first moved to the place where I live, my neighbor, who uh, is from Saudi Arabia, actually brought dinner over for me. And I felt like I've been on the receiving end when I moved into this area. Yeah, that's so true. Um, I've just seen how God really does want um, all of the nations to be worshiping him. Um, And he's just brought these nations to our doors. So if you feel like you've been called across to another nation, that's great. Um, but not all of us feel that we that God is calling us to another nation, but he surely is calling us to reach out to our neighbors. And um, I've also know that with uh, some of the communities here who've been um, multi- multi-generational um, refugees, that these communities become very insular. Um, some of them become very self-sufficient within their community. And if we don't make uh, an actual effort to reach out to them, they will really never have um, an experience of, of who Jesus is. Mm. Yeah, I know in um, in our city, Melbourne here, um, the number of languages that are spoken across the city is immense. Um, there's mm. hundreds of languages spoken in our city, and and we are really a, a, a melting pot, and that could be described of many Western cities being many cultures coming in. But what is really surprising is, as I've uh, mixed with um, uh, Indians or Iranians, and we've had them in for food or we've eaten food, the su- the surprising co- comment comes out a bit later. You're the first yeah. Aussies that have had us in their home or we've eaten food with. And they've sometimes been there eight months, a year, a year and a half, and it's the first interaction they've had on a social level with the host culture. And you go, oh, my goodness, there's something really missing here. And especially not just missing, it's, just, it's a huge opportunity to engage because they've landed in the, in the, in a, in a culture so different. And they'll naturally look for support systems and where do I belong, which is a huge question. And so, yeah, so true. Um, and and such an opportunity for the church to engage in, in welcoming, in hosting, in showing mm-hmm. hospitality and being involved. Um, and what are, what are some of the unique um, challenges and um, that you encounter in your work with refugee communities? Yeah, um, 
it, you know, the the obvious challenges are are the language and the culture and and lack of experience in in Western with Western culture, Western life. Um, we see with Muslim women uh, a lot of isolation uh, because many of them don't have. Uh, they don't have the language. They may not even be literate in their own language. Um, they won't have the outside opportunities that that men do. Mm. So isolation can be a big a big issue, and uh, it also seems like uh, parents. It's you know it's rough parenting for us, let alone being parents of a of a child who. Um, is developing fluency in in English, um, but has different experiences in school than their parents had, and and just bridging that communication gap even between parents and kids, um, mm. so that the kids can the parents know how to how to coach kids through these situations that they haven't experienced themselves, and may not even be may not even have the language to communicate those experiences between parent and child. Mm. Mm. Yeah, for the people group that I work with, many of them have depression, anxiety, insomnia. It's difficult for them to concentrate. Some are illiterate. They didn't go to school when they were young. Uh, Two ladies I know don't actually have surnames, so there's a lot of confusion when they apply for things, fill in forms. And some of the women, like Lisa said, they can be really isolated when they first arrive. They maybe don't drive. And some of them might just be scared to go to the house. Uh, There's Mm. one lady, she was scared to take her baby outside because she thought that other people might give the baby bad spirits. So she stayed Mm. indoors a lot. And so uh, I suppose worldview uh, also mm-hmm. can be a challenge. Uh, mm. 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 Yeah, I've seen uh, other other experiences of people just being afraid of things that that you and I wouldn't even give a second thought to, and that's partly worldview and partly just you know us being in our own culture. Um, another thing that shows up is uh, just being overwhelmed by the kind of the lack of innocence that our culture displays um things that kids grow up with in our culture is very kind of not very innocent compared to how Mm. how parents uh protect their kids in their own culture or just it's just delayed in terms of what they are exposed to what do you mean lisa by lack of innocence um well our our media um Mm. Shows that are on TV, uh, the, our kids having sexual, sexual education throughout all the grades. Mm. Um, I know that these families that we interact with, that, that uh, they themselves may not know what happens after marriage, uh, mm. it, before they get married. And um, I know that they're raising kids that they would you know, teenagers still don't know uh, these kinds of things. So mm. having them be exposed just to 
mm-hmm. violence and drugs and alcohol and and sexual knowledge is is quite different. Amazing. Now, really, uh, we we live in very um, a cultures that are based more around ethics of freedom, <clears throat> freedom of speech, um, and um, uh, the 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 sexual freedoms that are in our culture um, that we as Christians often find um, difficult even, you know, with the mm-hmm. pornography in on TV and in billboards and and the things that are around us that have become like everyday life. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, it can be quite confronting, can't it? Um, yeah. Uh, just just another angle for what are some of the unique challenges. Um, as you see the great harvest fields around you and then you look over your shoulder at the church <laughs> and, you, and you go, why aren't we engaging uh, in, in this? Uh, putting, putting what are some of the unique challenges for the church or barriers for them to get over? Because I think it can be, there's a, quite a lot of, People who feel a bit threatened, scared, if they see a hijab or a, um, um, they walk into a mosque or or something like that. What are some of the unique challenges as you, I know both of you, carry deeply in your hearts uh, a desire for multiplication of workers and could look at the church and you go, if only we could engage more. Um, but where are the workers? Where are the where are the people? How? What are some of the challenges around engagement for the body of Christ that you see? I really do uh, hear pretty frequently in, not in the leadership of the church that I go to, but many of the, I I do hear among people that, that will show up at our, at our building that, uh, they just have no, it's not even lack of interest, it's a antagonism towards, mm-hmm. uh, towards hosting people, towards having people from different countries be in our country. So we're starting even from that, from that mindset, it's, it's a long ways to go. Uh, mm. How about you, Jackie? Yeah, I think I'm just thinking of my own journey when I first stepped into uh, becoming friends with with Muslim women, and fear was definitely a factor. And also, uh, I, I guess at times I just wasn't sure, like, of their customs, and I was scared to offend them. And I think this is very true for some people that they mm-hmm. tend to withdraw instead of reaching out just because they're unsure. Uh, I have found, though, from my experience, uh, that there's a lot of grace there. There really is. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very difficult to offend the people group that I work amongst. And I've mm. often just said, especially when I first started reaching out, I've just said to my friends, you know, I really want to be respectful of you. I'm still learning about your culture. So please tell me if I do something wrong. Uh, my heart is not to offend. And that actually took the pressure off me. And I doubt that they would come out and say it, but it, at least it was out there and they knew my heart was to show respect. So I found that mm. helpful. But 
I think that's very common, fear and just yeah. not knowing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So inbuilt cultural challenges in our own church culture, our own attitude towards people coming into our country or, or fears and reserves. Um, but also, yeah, when you, what um, Jackie just said, uh, the fear of um, of doing something wrong, the fear of offence, the fear of not knowing what to do. Um, that kind of leads neatly into if I was... Um, if I was really interested, but I didn't know what to do, didn't know how to connect, where, how do I, how do I make friends? How do I reach out? What What are some great ways to, to connect um, that that could position myself to build relationships in these refugee communities? Uh, yeah, for me, the best ways have just been randomly meeting people, and I suppose having worked with the public. I just, my personality is that I naturally will just speak to strangers, which is a strength and maybe a weakness at times too. Uh, But for example, at my local park or when I go out shopping, I've learned some of the language. So they are normally really impressed with my minimal, minimal amount of Persian. I went to a language class a few years ago and this led into discovery bible study with two ladies the group i work with are very relational so with one lady at the class i became friends with her and then she introduced me to one of her relatives who then asked me to spend time with her sister-in-law the family was quite concerned about this lady she was she became an orphan when she was about 10 and she wasn't really getting out of the house much and just quite withdrawn. So we started out doing some English lessons and then this led into doing discovery Bible study and we're now into the New Testament. For me, what hasn't worked? Well, one of the English classes that I volunteered at, although I really loved the group, I didn't have the freedom to share scripture or talk about my faith, but just, I guess, uh, the things that have worked well, just naturally building friendships and then being introduced into uh, their community and other family members. Hmm. Yeah, I've, I've also tried engaging through ESL and, and it's had its ups and downs. It's, uh, it has not given me the freedom to talk about spiritual things during the class, but it has been a way to get introduced to a few people. And, and you do sort of get your feet wet that way, too, just getting to know people a little bit. Um, I think the organization that I work through is, has a number of programs. So when ESL didn't work, I went and did Women's Sewing Project, which had a little bit more time for relationship. And and um, one of the women was at actually at both of those things so I engaged with her in two different spaces and and got to become uh at home friends with her so I could I could speak about spiritual things with her there and then for my my husband he's actually found places to hang out um where uber drivers are waiting for their next fare they're hanging out at a tea shop so that's been really good for him Mm. But yeah, I would just say 
um, join join in organizations or churches that are already uh, doing some outreach, and so you don't have to reinvent the wheel. And you can then pick and choose what kinds of relational spaces work work well for you. And then just see if you can be a mentor like like uh, Jackie or a cultural companion. Just be a friend. But uh, yeah, being a cultural companion, just helping them through just the things that come up that, that they don't have the background to deal with um, in terms of navigating uh, paperwork or you know, accounts, that sort of thing, just helping them find the resources that they, that they need. Mm. Great ways to just get involved and, and build relationships. Mm. So I'm hearing a, a really wide range of um, things that you guys have done um, without mm. thinking a lot about it, actually. But you've, you've, um, you've talked to people at bus stops, in parks. Um, you've just naturally dived in. But I also hear intentionality with some language learning and, and just some, some basics of uh, reaching out with, with language, um, uh, volunteering in a wide range of settings where refugees are. Um, love that word cultural companion, um, mm. uh, just being able to help them navigate this strange new culture that they're in, mm. um, hanging out in natural connection shops, uh, places like tea shops and that kind of thing, and looking all the time at the ability to move relationships into into from from one setting and you you had a term there Lisa of at home relationship <laughs> so moving from the program to suddenly mm-hmm. I'm in the home suddenly mm-hmm. I'm in, in in that uh, do you want to just draw that out a little bit what what's you know the difference between volunteering at a refugee center to then suddenly you have an at home relationship um yeah yeah well this gal um specifically uh she was taking the bus home and she could have used a ride home this time and so I I did go kind of out on the ledge and and gave her a ride home and of course then she wanted to invite me in for tea um, so we just we you know some relationships just have a a dynamic that you just are kind of instant friends and and she mm-hmm. was one of those so uh, that that brought me into relationship with her whole family and uh, just started hanging out with them a lot more and reading with her preschool kids, that sort of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Can I add one thing, Dave? Go for it, Jack. (laughs) Yeah. um, So I spent a few months in the Middle East about 20 years ago and uh, they reached out to me a lot. I would even have people coming out with cups of water to give to me. And a lot of these refugees are coming from cultures that are really warm. And it's not abnormal to talk to strangers or make new friendships. So I think Westerners, we can feel a bit shy about talking to people and reaching out. But for them, it's probably more normal and mm. so I have found that that the response when I do talk to strangers or, you know, ask them about their language or accent, that they're actually quite 
willing to talk about where they're from and, you know, the circumstance that, that brought them here. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I recall, um, one of the cultural differences in living in India that I quickly identified was that Indians are so hospitable as a culture. Mm-hmm. They will invite a stranger in. You can basically feel quite safe if you're in a crowd because the 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 hospital the nature of hospitality within the culture is just amazing. And um, you're you're right, Jackie. As um, we look at our Western culture, much smaller units, individualized. Being invited into a stranger's home is is not normal, but in in cultures driven by hospitality, there's a lot more um, normality in that. Yeah, and once you're immersed, and once you're building friendships, and once you've got this um, uh, relational network, and and you're kind of more at home, you're familiar with the culture and the people. Um, what are what are some of the keys in reaching out in this environment? I think uh, um, one of the things kind of touched on by your hospitality and just connects to what what Jackie was saying is that um, they are very welcoming into their home, and I think we are kind of individualistic, but it's really important to try to include your whole family with their whole family. Mm. So kind of with our Western mindset of we're going to disciple one person, um, they wouldn't even have a clue. I mean, it's just very foreign to their Mm -hmm. perspective. Uh, Why would you want to get my wife alone and do this one thing? It's we're, we're a whole family. And, and by the way, where's your husband and where are your kids? I know they don't live with you, but why aren't they here with you now? <laughs> so it's uh, it's as much as you can uh, engage on whole family levels will make much more sense to them than than the one on one kind of thing does. So even if it's um, you may have spiritual conversations one on one, but if you're not uh, being relational on a whole family basis it's it's not it's confusing mm. to them mm. Mm. yeah mm. some of the keys for me i guess one of the main things is prayer and lots of mm. it we pray together at least a few times per week currently on zoom we do prayer walks we ask our friends to pray for us having a prayer team is really vital a lot of deeper conversations happen over food. With one lady, I sometimes yeah. will spend a few hours at her house and then join her family for dinner. And with this particular people group, we often talk about family. That's one of the main questions, like, how is your family? And we go through each one and give little updates. So about a year ago, I shared about some hard things in my own family, which then led into sharing the story of the prodigal son. So being open about painful things in my life has led into deeper conversations and then sharing scriptures. Also, with me, I grew up in a rural area and so have many of my Persian friends. And this is something that we have in common Mm. and a bridge. Persian cultures love poetry and they seem to really love the psalms that I've shared with them, such as Psalm 
1, Psalm 23, Psalm 139. So, and in general, they're really comfortable discussing spiritual things and also receiving prayer. Fantastic. Wow. Wow. Oh, oh. As you're jumping into this uh, environment, what are some of the things to avoid? What What are some of the, hey, just just register this, don't do this. Um, yeah, Jackie, what do you think? What are some of the things to avoid there? Uh, <laughs> yeah, so a few things. <laughs> I'm just laughing. <laughs> I'm laughing about a situation where, so uh, a lot of my tr- friends will try to set me up with their family members and you're being yeah. unmarried right Jackie so yeah. yes yes so if you're single just be aware of this I was very shocked and uh just the whole family was trying to arrange something for me without me knowing so arrange your marriage basically Yes, yes. I think I called you and Colleen in distress about it, too. (laughs) And I think that was your response. (laughs) Yeah, it caught me off guard that, uh, yes, it's good to be aware of. Uh, For me, I'm quite empathetic, which is a great strength, but can be a weakness. Sometimes we want to jump in and help, but we have to be wise Mm. in how we assist. And we see this in the story of the Good Samaritan. He involved others in helping. I try to empower and encourage instead of doing the task for them. And this helps to build confidence and for the next thing that they'll face. It does depend on the scenario. So we also avoid making promises that we can't follow through on. And it's mm-hmm. good to be careful about relating with the opposite sex. So, for example, avoid having one-on-one conversations with the opposite sex and avoid situations where you're alone with someone of the opposite sex. So those are the ones I can think of at the moment, but there's, there's more, I'm sure. Yeah. I like how you uh, talk about um, helping them learn how to do it. That's certainly uh, something to recognize is that they're very, they actually have a lot of resources um, within their culture and within other recognizing that they are most likely in the context of their own culture and can reach out to others around them. And they're very, you know, they they are fully capable. It's just they don't necessarily know what those connections are with the West that they need. But, yeah. So just, you know, like you said, showing them how to do stuff. Um, I think another thing to avoid is being in a hurry. Um, mm. like you spend hours eating food at, at this friend's house. And so um, just being willing to spend chunks of time when you have it with them and not expecting things to happen too quickly. Um, maybe they will, but probably they won't, you know. So mm. just be in it for the long haul. Mm. That's fantastic. Some really great, great thoughts there. And um, um, what what you are both kind of on this journey for some years now. Um, what are you learning? What are you, what is taking you by surprise? What what's uh, what's the th- things that say? Well, I never expected that. And I guess 
having your marriage being arranged without you knowing Jackie was probably one of those things. But <laughs> mm, yes, <laughs> uh, what would be some of the other things that you're you're learning or um, taking you by surprise, Lisa? Um, yeah, just like I was saying, how don't be in a hurry. It, it's as long as we thought it would take, it's taking even longer. So that's kind of a a bit of a surprise. And you know, of course, we're all all in a hurry to to see this happen. So it's a little bit of a frustration as well. Um, even where language is good, there seems to be, there there is a language barrier in in spiritual ideas and mm. I've even noticed I think I expected that well once I get to the point where I can have scripture being shared in writing like oh I have an Arabic speaker I have an Arabic bi- Bible these things go together um, I've in my limited experience there's still been difficulty in understanding scripture in Arabic. And so I think there's some disconnect for me there in terms of just because they have Arabic as their first language, the language that Arabic is written in may not be totally mm. understandable mm. to them in spiritual, spiritual ways. So uh, going back to praying for spiritual hunger and for spiritual understanding for your, for your friends is really important. Um, the other thing is just being surprised at the the lack of interest or willingness on on the part of the church to engage. Mm. There's so many opportunities. That's mm. really that's yeah yeah huge. Mm. Yeah, for me, some of the things that surprise me are how different our worldviews are. You know, I feel like I'll just be talking with a good friend and then they'll come out with something and I'm reminded like, oh, (laughs) wow, there's a big difference there. And also some of the details of the violence and trauma they've experienced. Some of it's Mm -hmm. very disturbing. And when you're friends with people who have experienced this firsthand, it can be quite heavy. But we also have times of laughter. And this was one of the biggest surprises for me how funny they can be at times. Mm -hmm. And many of the Persians who I know are resilient and hearing about their situations has helped me to be grateful for how fortunate I am and the the many blessings I have in my life. Hmm. Wow. That's quite a lot there. Um, So where to from here? Um, Engaged, um, you're in homes, you're having um, spiritual conversations, discovery Bible studies are emerging. Um, what, what's, um, what's, the, what's, what's the next steps that you're seeing? And some of these are maybe challenges, but some of these are maybe um, uh, you're building on or you're working on and you're seeing the need for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, continuing to build team, mobilize prayer to raise awareness about this people group. We, one of our strategies is to see prayer groups formed in every town or suburb where they live. And we're also empowering 
and encouraging Christians who live amongst them to reach out in love and care. We're doing some training and seminars, so we really want to see more workers raised up. Mm. Yeah, um, I'm also going back to the... Always going back to prayer, always going back to how can we multiply prayer. That's always a challenge for us and um, getting people to engage in prayer and to stick with us through prayer. So uh, I'll say that that's, um, you know, something that I know needs to happen and just always is something to go back to and try to figure out more ways to, to do that. And uh, when we are, as we engage in areas where more refugees are, we're also looking at the churches that are, that are there um, physically and seeing if we can connect with people there that, that might already be at work or have a heart or just not know how to step into that so that's kind of where we are next is uh, just seeing what resources we have in the church um, who who are physically placed where more refugees live mm. yeah uh, there's some um, real challenges um, in what you've just shared and also real opportunities and some real um um, yeah, how do we build prayer? How do we um, see um, people engaged and trained? Uh, people who have a heart and multiplied, and um, yeah, um, uh, in all of this, uh, we always realize we have only so much capacity, don't we? We there's mm. such a big need, and it's just one of us, and so immediately we're thrust into the idea of multiplying others and multiplying that so that's awesome look uh, i just have so much admiration for you two ladies as you are doing that and also the teams around you and the people that you're you're working with and um <clears throat> engaging with these people that are uh turning up into our environments and and surely this is this is god's answer to prayer as we've been saying lord how do we how do we reach people and suddenly we find them in our suburbs and and uh, in an environment where we can have these conversations. Are there any final words of encouragement that you would like to bring to people who might want to step in, but you know don't know where to start? And um, what? How would you encourage others to to seize the day, as it were, to take the opportunity of reaching uh, the many refugees and cultures around us that we find? Mm. Yeah, well, I'd just like to say that uh, I've been at this for several years, and I've never been a disciple maker in any other context or had, you know, great fruit in any other context. And I'm still waiting for fruit in this context, but I'm still in it. It's still, God's still got a call on me to to be in this context. And uh, so I'm just saying... Uh, I'm not an expert at this at all, um, and you don't have to be to to still make a difference. So 
Um, I'm just telling you the bar is not that high to get in it. (laughs) (laughs) And um, we, Jackie was talking about how, you know, in the Muslim culture, how hospitable people are and they invite you in. And and yeah, we we have a joke in our house where uh, we try to be hospitable to them and and we're always way outdone and um, so it's it's kind of a fun game and we get a lot of blessing from being in this just that they um, they love to to pour out what they have on you and, and welcome you into their family and we've seen uh, a lot of blessing from understanding their culture better and seeing things from their culture that I really appreciate and wish that um, ours resembled theirs more in some ways. Um, And just, I'll just say, you know, eating food together is a great place to start. And then just watch for opportunities for unprogrammed time to to be together. Mm. Wonderful. Yeah, I agree. And I would say I would encourage people to step in, uh, go for it, pray, invite others to pray with you. Mm-hmm. Find someone who will encourage and coach you are really great first steps. Uh, as I said before, we can tend to withdraw if we're scared that we might offend them or make mistakes. But we probably will make mistakes. I know I've made plenty. Mm-hmm. And this is part of the learning process, Uh, yet there is a lot of grace there as well. So just uh, to pray and step out, make mistakes, and keep learning. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. It's just been such a great um, conversation and very rich and at a number of levels very... um, some challenging of what you've shared but also some quite empowering stuff so first thank you for the really valuable work you both do in these communities it's just amazing and uh, I'm so encouraged and um, lifted in my spirits when I think of what you do uh, but also your encouragement to see an army of people engage from the church to engage in ways um, and lifting barriers for people to that stop them reaching out. Thanks, Jackie. Thanks, Lisa. God bless. Really appreciate this conversation. See ya. Thanks, Dave. Thanks.